welcome to Road to Billions podcast, the mentality of an entrepreneur, with your host, Moise Bertrand. Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Moise Bertrand, your host of Road to Billions podcast, and I'm excited because I bought my first rental property, um, real estate, definitely. Um, I know a lot of people have been asking me, hey, how did you get in real estate, you know, et cetera, et cetera, tons of questions. And, you know, your questions are finally answered, people. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you guys to take take a second to do one thing before you listen to the rest of the podcast, share it, rate it, and, you know, review it. And, you know, listen to the other rest rest of the episodes and be sure to subscribe. Um, So this podcast is pretty much going to give you guys the details about how did we get into real estate, frequently asked questions, what are some things you need to know about real estate, and all the nine yards. So sit back, listen, fasten your seatbelts, and be ready to go on a a crazy roller coaster of of plethora number of knowledge and information is being dispersed. I love you guys so much. Have a great rest of the podcast. So one of the questions, um, I didn't post the questions on Instagram, but... So this one girl was like, what's the um, what's the cheapest that she could buy into real estate? So what's the cheapest that, you know, real estate could go for? I guess she's asking. Yeah. So so the cheapest that well, the cheapest you can buy real estate is, is zero, um, just depending on, on the seller and what they're willing to sell it for. So if if you find a seller who's willing to finance 100 percent of the purchase price, then the answer could be zero. But traditionally, the answer to that question would be three percent, uh, three anywhere from three percent to ten percent of the purchase price of the property is probably the least amount of money that you can use to get started in a real estate deal. Um, so you have to, you know, it's it's a variable question depending on where you live. So if you live in houses, a place where houses are, let's say a hundred thousand, then you know three percent of that is three thousand. If you live in a place where houses are 200,000, then that would be uh, what 6,000. So it just really just depends on the prices of homes, but anywhere from three to 10% will be, will be the standard uh, answer to that question. Okay. And some other person, some guy, um, he asked, can anyone invest? So I know you answered that at the beginning, but you could probably go over that again one next time. Can anyone invest? Uh, I mean, yeah, anybody, anyone can invest uh, in real estate, just depending on, you know, if you're ready or not. So can anyone invest? Yes. Should anyone invest? No. Um, you know, it, it's only it's only right when it's right for you. I was telling somebody that this morning when we was going about a deal or going over a deal. I told him about a deal I bought recently. And he was like, man, you know, I wish I could have got that deal. This, that, and the other. I was like, well, look, man, you know, a deal is only a good deal when you're ready. Yeah. Because a good deal can become a bad deal if you ain't ready for it. So, you know, it's, there's a lot of variables depending on if you're ready or not. So what do you think is the best way for someone who's not knowledgeable about real estate? Say, for example, no one don't have any mentor, right? They're just not even like they're just not in the right place to do anything. And then they want to, they want to essentially get into real estate. What do you think their first step is to actually get into real estate? What's that first initial thought? Yeah, I mean, so I, I, I would either I would try to shadow someone if you could um, definitely read books. So read as many books as you can. Listen to as many podcasts. Um, you know, they, they used to tell us when, when I was in grad school, 
they said to become an expert on something, you have to read 20 books, right? So let's modernize that to nowadays and say at least watch 20 YouTube videos or 20 podcasts on real estate. Yeah. Um, and I think if, I think after about 20 podcasts or 20, you know, reasonable YouTube videos, um, I think after that, you, you'll be ready to, to at least have a good understanding of real estate. AJ, what you think? Yeah, and I was just, just to add to that, because I mean, technically that was me prior to, you know, getting 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 in touch with Chris, Chris Daniels. So it's more so similar to what he said, just, you know, reading books. I started with Grant Cardone. Um, you know, that that's uh, he was like my mentor, but he didn't know nothing about he didn't ever knew me. But uh, I think reading books and just just being curious, right, asking questions, not being afraid to ask questions, um, maybe not to, to people you may not know, but maybe, you know, like similar to what we're doing here, like there's opportunities on social media, like you said, YouTube podcast to ask those questions. So, you know, going above and beyond, just trying to, figure out, you know, how can I get involved? Yeah, uh, I think that's that's the best way. Like anything, though, right? You want to go when you want to plan a trip to Ghana. Uh, then, you, do every, you know, and you don't have any resource. You're gonna do everything possible, you know, to to get those resources to to, to get to uh, go on that trip. So little things like that. So, what do you think is the biggest problem we have when it comes to real estate? Like first thing is that is that they think, they think about it the wrong way. The, the number one problem that people that, that, that I see is people thinking about the wrong way is they always think about what they have, not what they can get. Right. So they, they say, OK, I don't have money. Well, shit, you can go get money. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that is you don't necessarily have to have the money. A lot of nobody has enough money. Right. You know, you look at these big old skyscrapers, people, the people who built them, they didn't have the money for it. They went and got it from somebody else. There's a so that's the number one thing. Everyone stops at that point and they're like. I don't have any money. I can't get into real estate. And, and it's just that mentality that stops people from ever getting started. And that's just the wrong way to think about it, right? You need to know what you're doing. If you can find deals, if you can, if you know what you're talking about, you will be able to find money. And I think that's what, that's what most people don't realize is that they think of things backwards. Right. So they think of money first instead of thinking of deals first. Um, and if you think deals first, then, then, you, then money will come. So I think if you're changing your mindset will help you a lot. Yeah, I think, and, and I, I'll, I'll put this back to you, Mo, after me, but I think it's just a misconception that you've got to have the capital. Like like you said, like that was like my first thing. I'm like, you know, when I get the capital, I'm going to get my first property, right? Then, I, you know, through mentorship and, and learning and understanding, Chris always said, uh, control the property. Like I, I used to say that a lot. I didn't understand that. that right. <laughs> had a property under control and that's not he's not this is when we we wasn't even talking numbers he wasn't all he said just fit, you know understanding the steps to to uh i guess to, to the first process of you know purchasing a property understanding that that first layer is important so uh that's i think it's just a misconception about money yeah yeah i feel like it's not talked about too much it's the chinese proverbs talking about um if you're not talking about money you're not bringing that wealth into your life like People who are scared of talking about money, they usually, you know, obviously don't have as much. And they like this, encourage people to <clears throat> speak as much about money. And I feel like a, a lot of big things that people like have a problem with and just asking for help. Like people are like really prideful to a point where you could have $500 to your name, but you really need your rent. Your rent is 800 and you rather let someone reach out to you and you finally, you know, it's, 
you can, I feel like we as a culture have to really just start looking at looking at <clears throat> looking out for people and at the same time looking to connect with people at the same time because there's no point of me miss knowing Mr. Daniels if I can't benefit from him he can't benefit from me and the mutual exchange is that we're both helping each other exceed in life and I feel like if me and you AJ we work we work only on, on one project Mr. Daniels is still there to cater to us and he's adding value to our life and we're still there helping him so I feel like the culture needs people who actually are going to take initiative and actually don't be afraid to ask for help. That's a that's a big question right there. Why are people afraid to ask for help? Right. I mean, it's 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 because a lot of people are jerks, to be honest. Um, you know, I mean, for for me, I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a professor, so I'm used to people asking me questions. Yeah. But a lot of people don't like to be asked questions, or they'll demean you for asking them a question. Right. So like, like if someone like you know if if someone like for example somebody asked me like what is like APR or, or what is like some like real estate terminology just, you know, for some people considered to be basic. They're like, you don't know what that is. And like, you know, this, instead of just answering the question, you know, yeah. um, and I think that's how, and that's what turns people off to being curious um, is that when people, when people ask, when people's, people's reaction to your question. So, you know, people who have been in, in real estate for a long time, like, for example, I'm in a, a group, uh, a Facebook group with a bunch of real estate investors, like big time investors. Um, and when people post questions in there, sometimes people are really jerks. They're like, oh, you don't know that. Why don't you just Google it yourself? And then other people are like, they just answer the question. So, you know, finding someone who who responds well to your questions helps you to get a mentor, right? So people who don't mind asking questions. So the way you can find those type of people are usually people who go and give talks publicly, right? So people who like give speak on Instagram or speak on YouTube or in-person events and things like that. Those are people who usually don't mind being asked questions and don't won't look down on you for asking questions. Yeah. Some people who are already like really advanced and then they're not like teachers, you know what I'm saying? That's a, that's a whole different skit. It's one thing to be good at something. It's another thing to be a teacher. Those are two different kind of skill sets, right? Some people are blessed to have both, but most people aren't. So, you know, you might DM someone who's like a multimillionaire, but they don't have like the skills to actually teach you. So they can't really help you that much. You see what I'm saying? Um, and, and, and what you'll see is that funny thing about real estate is like most of the most successful people in real estate aren't like the gurus that you see like on YouTube and stuff like that. Those are the ones who made a, a, a decision that they want to teach people and help people. Yeah. But there's people, the people who are really, really, really good at real estate, they usually ain't teaching nobody, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's not, that's not their thing, you know? Nah. So it's just a different skill set. Yeah. I feel like numbers are like when, you know, making this first property purchase, I know we was looking at the numbers like, oh shit, like this, this is, how can you fathom to put your mind around this? Is And then you just see how it could grow. Like the portfolio was like possible, like, and I feel like a lot of people did this have to get exposed to it and just taking that first step. So, so I mean, just, just think about it. I, I, don't, I don't know if we want to go on specifics of numbers, but we'll, we'll just be generalized here. You know, if you, if you, if you can do four more, four more properties of, of similar value, you already have a million dollar portfolio. Yeah. I mean, just think about that. I mean, you did one. How easy would it be to be to do four more of those? I mean, it's, you know, especially once you didn't do one. So yeah. now you already have you're already a millionaire, right? Just right. like that, off off of four transactions that wasn't even that hard after we went through the process, right? Yeah. But what I'm saying is, there's there's very few businesses or industries where you can accumulate that type of money. Let me not say that easily, but 
that quickly, right? Because um, it's still difficult. I mean, it's not easy. However, you know, you can quickly get to a million dollars just like that, right? Like I said, you four deals away from having a million dollar portfolio. Um, and, you know, if you live in bigger cities, it might only be one or two properties and you already got over a million dollar portfolio. And then think about it like this, right? The way real estate is appreciating right now, let's say you have a million dollar portfolio and prices are going up, let's say 10% every year. Mm -hmm. So every year, just by staying alive, you're gaining a hundred thousand dollars of wealth on the property, on the properties, right? Just by being alive and breathing. That's crazy. You know? I mean, and, and that's literally how you build. That's, that's what generational wealth really is, is that, you know, when you have, when you're making money for doing nothing because appreciation, you don't have to do anything. It just happens, you know? I mean, it, it doesn't just happen, but it, it happens. Let me say that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you have tenants or whoever, you know, su supporting the property and it's just going up and up and up and up and up. And, I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so let's 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 dive in. You feel me? Let's let's dive into the to the um to the meat of it, right? So, like, I think some of the, the, the some of the questions that people probably want to have is just like the process, right? Because you can talk all day. Like I used to hear people talk all day about, oh, it's easy, or oh, it's this. You got it done. I'm more of a hands-on. So, like, I mean, I don't know how how detailed or you know we want to we want to be, but like. What do, for Mo, Mo, I guess this question is for you, like the process, what was the, what was the process like from start to finish for you? Uh, what, what starting the whole process from us doing the deal? Finding from, from long nights of finding the property, multiple properties, from, from the calling, just from, and then from everything. I mean, the minute we got on this deal, I knew it wasn't going to be a fast deal. I was prepared for it, but it is like a mental fitness that you're going to get with real estate and it's like you're going to play gymnastic with what, what of course with real estate i feel like i was only prepared for what people showed me but what really goes on behind closed doors like how mr daniel was saying make sure you got a lender make sure you have two three lenders on, on because this lender might flake on you which what happened we we almost lost the script just because somebody was taking too long so just making sure you have always backups to everything making sure that you literally always keep paperwork of everything because one person may not need one thing, but another person may, may need something else. So just having a paperwork in mind. And I feel like the biggest thing that I um that was that's so essential with real estate is patience. Like you have to be patient because you could be sitting on a gold mine and you never not know, but you're so impatient, you might make an error in just your steps. So I feel like patience and just evaluating what you really want to do. Everything happens for a reason. Um, just look at every every other thing around it, like. Is the house being renovated on other streets? Is the, you know gentrification going on? So this thing that's to take on, you know, when you're really thinking about it, like, am I really ready for this? But I do feel like it's a great opportunity for anybody jumping in. I feel like everybody should just take that risk. It's not really, it's not really nothing bad. Like Mr. Daniel said, you can make a ton of cash from it. Yeah, I agree. How did you feel though about the deal, about everything going on? For me? Yeah, about your take. And Man, I'm not gonna lie. These last what three months was fun to me. Like, this was the probably the best experience that I ever had. Cause, it, you know, they say it's like it's like anything. Like when you learn something, man, and you know, like it's like you, once you learn your name, you know it. Like back, like like anything, right? So I think I really from start to finish learned the process, understand it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was hard times. Like 
you know, I called called these guys on the screen, like, man, you know, what do you think? Like, you think this really gonna happen? Like, Chris is like, man, hey, just con- listen, patience. I've been here before, and that's something you can't. Too many can't times. Google. <laughs> and that's something you can't Google or YouTube, right? That's experience, and, and Chris has that. So, I bet I. I mean, from February, well, Mo and I was doing this from December, but from February, I'll say to, to, to now, um, just the experience was fun for me. Um, learning about appraisals and, and how they work and how expensive they are, <laughs> depending on who, who you deal with. Um, you know, we, we actually had a unique opportunity of, you know, speaking with this, the actual seller um, and building that relationship. So things of that nature just was, it was, it was a great experience for me, man. So one advice, okay, well, actually, well, I'll let you, let you go. I, I know we'll probably end with some advice, but. Oh, um, Ms. Dan, does you have anything else to say before you go into like, talking about anything else? Oh, you talking about just about the process? Yeah, about the process, how your take was on it. Yeah, I mean, it, it was fine. I mean, you know, I kind of had, so it was interesting because with this particular property, you know, every property has a story. So with this particular property, I knew the owner. Um, so... I was never really worried because I knew I could always pull kind of like a personal favor card. I didn't want to though, because yeah. what, what I wanted, you know, in this particular, in this particular instance, right. I really wanted you guys to, to learn and I wanted you to, you know, go through the process. So I didn't want to just use my personal connection and make it happen. Like, you know, I could just call them like, Hey man, come on, yeah. you know, but I didn't want to do that. So I knew it was never going to fall through. Um, and I knew if, if it was getting to that point, you know, we could have pulled it back, but so I was never worried. But you know, it was a really interesting deal because it's just such a unique property, right? Um, and and that's why I really, really, really wanted you guys to work on this property because I knew it was going to have some of these issues um, because of it's, it's what we call a non-conforming property, uh, meaning that it's so different. There's no other properties around like that, and when you have properties like that, it brings up things like the appraisal issue like the repair issue, like the comparable sale issues, other things that we talked about. Um, so you really got a chance to learn a lot. So the funny thing is like, you know, when, when you do another deal, it'll be so simple and so easy. You'd be like, what, this, that's it? Yeah. Like after you've gone through this, you've like, wait a minute, this is, the, is that easy? Like like, like, like the other the other deal, you see how fast that one I did on the one on Holton Street, it just went psh, yeah. in like 12 days, it was done. You know, but this one took several months. But, you know, that, that's just how it is. So I think, I think seeing the, the the dynamic nature of real estate and how things can go right, things can go wrong. Um, I'm glad I'm glad you guys didn't have to see some of what I've seen. I'll tell y'all some stories later about some bad bad things I've had to deal with uh, where I did not have personal connections and I've had yeah. to suffer. <laughs> so, so yeah, no, nah, it was a good experience though. I really enjoyed it, and I, I'm I'm looking forward to even moving forward, you know, to the next step with the property. Most definitely, and to. I, I was just gonna add, like to, to the to that, like you mentioned the story. Um, I think everything happens for a reason. I'm a big believer in that. But Mo, I don't know about you, but that was beautiful to see. Well, not not beautiful when when the lender flaked, but beautiful to see how the relationship, you know, stayed strong. And and there was a there was that end goal in mind. And I think to Chris' point, like each property from henceforth can't get much worse than that. I mean, it could. But, but I, I, the, the, the likelihood and, you know, so just knowing that you went through that fire, essentially, um, you know, will help us in the long run. Yeah. And, I, and I think, you know, we, we'll probably, we'll probably go into more detail about this, maybe on another episode. But I think what you guys saw and, and, and what you'll see is a difference between lenders, right? Mm-hmm. When you're dealing with a, a direct lender versus lenders who outsource their loans, 
right? So direct lenders, meaning that they're making the decisions in-house. Um, so they already have their underwriting criteria versus a, a, a lender who's shopping for someone to, to buy your loan or to, to fund your loan. Um, and, and, and that's what that's what went wrong with the first loan was that the person was a broker, not a direct lender. Um, and like I said, we get into we'll get into that, you know, more in detail as we get more specific in the process. Um, brokers are good sometimes. Um, and so it's not anything bad about brokers. I got a lot of friends who are brokers. That's a great business. Um, however, direct lenders are able to make more decisive decisions. So when, and with properties in these type of scenarios is is better to deal with direct lenders, in my opinion. That makes sense. So why do you think the real estate market is going up? Well, I mean, it's basic supply and demand. Um, I mean, there there's a shortage of houses. So if you just look at fundamentally, there are not enough houses for people who want to buy them. Right. Right. And on top of that, there's not enough houses in desirable neighborhoods for people who want to buy them. That's really the main thing. So um, as long as the prices, as long as it's cheaper, as long as you, you can't build enough houses fast enough to keep up with the demand. So until they can catch up with being able to build houses fast enough to keep up with the demand, the prices of real estate is going to keep going up. Um, so I've been making this argument for a long time and people don't like this, but in my opinion, it's true. Um, I feel like real estate has been underpriced for a long time um, in most in most of the country. I mean, if you think about it like this, right? Let's just, let's just type, give a hypothetical situation. Uh, we'll use Tallahassee, right? So let's just say someone has a, a $300,000 house or let's say, yeah, $300,000 house, right? So that means their payment is about $2,000 a month, right? The typical person who's living in that house in, in a city like Tallahassee are probably like maybe like two professors, you know, a doctor and a lawyer, you know, some professional people, right? Who make like ten, fifteen thousand dollars a month combined. So two grand, that's nothing, you know? I mean, really, that's nothing, right? So when you look at it, when you look at it like this, right? For when the price of a property goes up a hundred thousand dollars, that's only an extra thousand dollars a month in a payment. All right. So I know that sounds, you know, so for some people that like only a thousand, but for working people who have money, they can afford another thousand because a thousand dollars is nothing to someone who works and has a lot of money. Yeah. Right. So the house being four hundred thousand instead of three hundred thousand is not disqualifying people. So until we get to that threshold where people can no longer afford the houses, that's that's when it's going to come back down. Right. Um, that, that that's 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 how supply and demand actually really works, right? When people are no longer willing to pay that price or able, willing or able to pay that price, as long as people are willing and able, I mean, it's going to keep going up. They don't make more land. They can't. They're not. And they can't do it fast enough because, you know, you got a lot of combinations. Um, you know, you got environmental activists, right, who don't want you to keep, you know, tearing down the forest to build more houses, which I understand. Um, you know, a lot of areas like... Again, I'll use Tallahassee as an example. It wasn't really planned to be this big of a city. Um, so, you know, it's not, there's not planned for this many people. So yeah. there's not enough houses for everybody. So it's when, when the population grows, if the population continues to grow, um, the houses, the price of houses is going to shoot through the roof, like you see in Tampa, Miami, down south, I mean, other places like that. That's uh, definitely something for people to look at. I don't think people really look at what's going on in real estate. Houses have only been going up in prices for the last 10, 20 years. 
And I don't know if people want to, I think people are going to get to a point where they see it's too expensive. Now it's like, damn, I should have bought it when I was younger. And now it's like, it's going to be that discussion. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's always one of those things I tell people, you know, I, it's, it's only been a few times in history where real estate went down. Um, generally speaking, your best bet is just to buy it and wait. Um, because nine times out of 10 is going up that way. I mean, it's been a few times it went down, but even when it went down, it came back up, you know, so it wasn't like it permanently came down It went down temporarily because there was a surplus and then that surplus got ate up and then it went right back up. So it took a couple of years, but it went back up. So if the, if the housing market crashed, does that, does that affect the rent? Rent? Yeah, not, not 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 really. So when when the market crashes, right? And and this is always an interesting discussion. Um the safest thing to do is have rental properties. Right. right? So so uh back when the market was really down, all I did was just buy houses and rent them out, you know, cuz it wasn't really that much of a market to resell. Um so it, people weren't like flipping houses and stuff like that. It was just buying them and holding on to them. Um because rents never go down like they don't like I've never it's rare for rents to ever go down. Housing prices go down, but rents pretty much stay steady. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I never knew that. I thought I thought that had something to do with the um with the renting being messed up. But yeah, that's no man. Rent 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 stays steady. For for the most part, I mean if you look at if you look at the rent in Tallahassee, I mean, you know, you guys probably see this from being you know, involved in housing and whatnot, it's going up high. Yeah. Very, very high. You know what I'm saying? Like rent, rent is getting very expensive in the midst of all the craziness going on with COVID and whatnot. Rent is very high because people want to get back. You know, people lost a lot of money last year. So people trying to get back that money they lost. And, and the best way to do it is get it in rent. In college, man. Government, government popped up, uh, pumped out all that, that money, that cash anyways to consumers. So everyone going to expect the rent to raise. Everybody yeah. want to cut. Everybody want to cut, Mm-hmm. But like what's what's gonna really happen is people are gonna start raising prices crazy around every city around like the country just to you know balance that out because they're reopening a lot of places now like college about to be open you know homecoming football games you see the NBA game full now so I feel like in one a year or two is gonna be it's gonna be a huge big you gonna see who's been working who's been slacking off during the break you know see, now you gonna see it because like. The whole market is, was made for us to just sit back. Whole COVID was just us making us so comfortable. People was getting fed stimulus checks, and now it's like people blowing through checks, but not nobody ever putting. Nobody ever thought it was gonna reopen up. So that's just that's a good. I would say that's a good. That's a good leeway uh, into a conversation about inflation. But um, I mean, I guess we'll talk about that another time. I, my my take on that is I I believe it is possible that it'll take place in the next year or two. Um, but real man, I feel like that. To be honest, yeah, I mean, yeah. but but see, but see, and, and I, that's that's why you know when you look at inflation, that's why it's important to invest because if you if you if you your cash is getting less valuable, however, your property is getting more valuable. Yeah. Right. So instead of me having a hundred thousand dollars in a bank account, I'd rather have a hundred thousand dollar property because that property is going up in value while the value of my cash is going down. Right. So if I have a hundred thousand dollars parked in Bank of America right now, this is going down. If I have a hundred thousand dollars parked in a in a property, it's going up. 
So now my hundred thousand will be worth 120, 130, you know, whatever by the end of next year. And then my hundred thousand that's in bank of America is going down. So, you know, it's just really interesting to see how that works. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's like 10 minutes left, but right. um, so I'm just going to like try to ask this one last question. I know somebody had asked me on Twitter. I only got like a few questions, but we just still don't hear everybody questions. <clears throat> and if we can't get it to this time, we'll get to it next, next, next episode. So yeah, so he was like, he, um, he's stuck on how, who to contact to get an investment property. Um, I have a bit of my money saved up. I live in Kansas City, but I'm trying to get a property. What's my first step? So he's saying who, who to contract to try to get a property? Or to try to find a property? Yeah, he was like, how do I contact um, how to get investment property? And I live in Kansas City and I have a bit of cash saved up. So I'm guessing that he, he wants to know the first the initial steps. And, yeah, um, so so the first, first thing is to find a deal um, or find something that could possibly be a deal. So in order to do that, you have to understand the market. So, you know, if, if houses are normally 100000 and you find one for 60000 or, you know, something like that, you say, okay, that's a deal. Right. So you have to find a deal. And then once you find a deal, you have to get the property under control. And then, you know, you go ahead and go about closing on it. So, you know, um, that, that's really the first step is to find a deal. You got to go out and find a deal. So some people go online and look on the MLS. Some people drive around and look for properties. Some people ask friends. I mean, there's all all of the above are what you should do. Yeah. Um, you could also get with a real estate agent and ask them as well. Okay. So what um him living in Kansas City, how could he better, you know, do research? Do he, of course, ask the real estate agent or what questions would he be asking a real estate agent? Yeah, so so what 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 he should have is a criteria. So what price point are you looking to buy in? What type of property are you looking? You should have a, a type. What am I looking for? Um, and then when once you know what you're looking for, then it's easy to find it. But you can't find something if you don't know what you're looking for. So if you say I'm looking for a duplex that's under a hundred thousand dollars in this type of neighborhood. Okay, bam, that, that's a reasonable criteria. Now you can start searching, you know, for something like that. Um, but you have to narrow it down because there's millions of houses. Um, so you have a specific criteria that you're looking for, a certain price point, certain neighborhood, and then you can get a real estate agent or you can do it yourself, go look for properties in those areas. Okay. So um, I know I have, a, I have a question as well. So I feel like, what do you think is the best thing for someone who is on edge about doing real estate? Like, what what do you think is the final? What what do you think is the question you sh- they should be asking themselves if they're on edge, like fifty fifty for real estate? All right. I mean, the biggest thing is you know, are you committed to it? Because it can be difficult. It's not it's not a fast thing. Um, real estate is a slower slower business. So if you're a person who needs like constant money coming back and forth then real estate's not, not that good for you. Um, uh, you know, are you, do, do you understand property? You know, you have to understand property somewhat to be involved in real estate. So if it's something that's very confusing to you that you don't really like to deal with, um, then it may or may not be for you. So, you know, real estate is a very niche industry. Um, it's a good, very good industry, but it's something that you have to understand well, and you have to understand how money flows in and out. Like it doesn't flow frequently, it froze like, you know, at most once a month, um, you know, or sometimes once every two or three years when you sell a property. So, you know, it's a lot of, it, it, it's slow. Like, whereas with business, you might be might making money every single day. 
you know, or stocks or something you trading and everything's going up and down. So, you know, if you need that like constant, like in and out of money, then real estate is not really for you. Uh, but if you need a little bit slower, but more steady, then I would say real estate is for you. Okay. And I think that's, that's, that's the best answer to the, to the listener. That's the best answer. I'm going to give you the answer what I told myself. Um, and I think it just helped. It went, it went this way because one, God, and two, you know, the right people in, in the right place. But you got to tell yourself, listen, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it and everyone's not doing it. Right. But what I told myself is, why can't I do it? You know what I mean? And it's like if, if you invest in anything else, why not invest in yourself with, with real estate? So you just kind of sit, sit back and tell yourself. You won't know what it feels like. You won't know what the water feels like unless you actually step in the water. You understand what I'm saying? So I think we, we, we all stepped in the water at one place or one particular uh, time in our life. Um, and it's just, if, if you're about that, like, just do it, you know, just, just try. That's all I really do it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's really all my two piece. I do want to say if anybody is getting into real estate, definitely sure you do know it's very lucrative business when you do put your work and time in. But I do feel like it's just a good start, just how Mr. Daniel referred to it as starting generational wealth, just having that mark and just making sure you're good for life after that is, is a safe haven, is an asset. So I don't know if you guys have anything else before we close this, you know, Zoom call out, podcast out. Yeah, I mean, just look look forward to more more episodes. We're going to get into a lot more detail. Um, you know, real estate is uh, not an easy business, you know, it can be complex. So, you know, we'll, we'll have more episodes where we'll really break things down kind of piece by piece. And if people have questions, feel free to send any of us a DM or a message so we can kind of answer them as we go along. Yeah, for me, just super excited for this. Um, I, you know, I kind of wish I had something like this where I, people I know that, that look like me, right. And, and that think like me and talk like me, but, you know, we had these conversations. So, Super excited, looking forward, you know, to more to come. Definitely appreciate you guys coming out. Um, also, their names, everybody tags, or I'm, I'm going to tag each and everybody who's a speaker today in the comments. So just be sure to follow them. Other than that, we're good to go. So yeah, I appreciate you guys for talking tonight. Thank you. All right. Go Clippers. <laughs>